Hello, and welcome to Military Leaders of Today, where we offer biographies of exceptional leaders in the U.S. military. From modest privates to top generals, our goal is to recognize those who have so boldly led the finest fighting force in the world. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our second episode. Today, uh, we will be talking about Captain Crozier of the United States Navy. Captain Crozier has been in the news a lot recently, and I just wanted to offer my perspective. And believe it or not, he has quite an interesting career. To me, Captain Crozier exemplifies what it means to be a leader, and I hope to discuss that later in the episode. So, please feel free to sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. So, today we will cover the life and career of Captain Crozier. Captain Crozier was born on February 24, 1970, and was raised in Santa Rosa, California, which is just north of San Francisco. He graduated from Santa Rosa High School in 1988, and afterwards he attended the United States Naval Academy. Getting into the United States Naval Academy is really tough, and candidates have to receive an endorsement from a member of Congress, and afterwards they are rigorously scrutinized. This academy is very prestigious, and notable alumni include former President Jimmy Carter, and numerous admirals in the United States Navy. It pretty much guarantees that you have a successful career in the United States Navy and a career afterwards. After Crozier graduated in 1992, he was selected to become a naval aviator, which is a very sought-after career field in the United States Navy and is very selective and has very demanding training, not to mention it's typically a longer service of contract time. Crozier then went to flight school where he trained to fly SH-60Bs or Seahawks, which are just a variant of the U.S. Army's UH-60 Blackhawk. Crozier trained to be a pilot of the Seahawk, but the crew also included one ATO, or Airborne Tactical Officer, and an Aviation Systems Operator. After graduating from flight school, Crozier was assigned to HSL, or Helicopter Anti-Submarine Squadron Light, 37, at Barbers Point, Hawaii, which unfortunately was later closed and turned into a civilian airport. Here, he served as an SH-60B Seahawk pilot, where he was responsible for detecting submarines. A helicopter does this by launching sonar buoys and equipping magnetic anomaly detectors, or MAD. They then radioed in to a destroyer or other element to sink the submarine. With this first unit, Crozier was also deployed. He was deployed on board the USS Cromlin, which was a guided missile frigate, but was later sunk on July 19, 2016, as part of RIMPAC 2016. There's a really interesting video on YouTube about that if you want to watch it. The uh, frigate took forever to sink. Additionally, he also deployed on board the USS Fletcher, which was also a destroyer, and it was later decommissioned in 2004 and sunk as a part of a torpedo test exercise in 2008. Both of these deployments were in support of Operation Southern Watch, which was a U.S. effort to protect Shiite Muslims under aerial attack from the Iraqi regime of Saddam Hussein and ensure that Hussein complied with U.N. sanctions regarding nuclear, biological, and chemical weapons. It was here that he enforced the no-fly zone. He also got the nickname Chopper while he was with this unit. After these deployments, Crozier was assigned briefly to U.S. Navy Personnel Command. However, after less than a year, 
he was offered an opportunity that many do not get. He was offered a chance to fly the F-A-18 Hornet fighter jet. This is an extremely rare opportunity for someone like Crozier to get, as he was trained to fly helicopters, not fighter jets. And this required a lot of relearning. He had to relearn how to fly, basically. And he had to learn the ins and outs of flying on an aircraft carrier. But after successfully completing training on the F-A-18 Hornet, he was then assigned to Strike Fighter Squadron 97, or VF-97, in 2002, and deployed with U.S. Nimitz in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom. This is really surprising to me, as just two years prior to this, he was flying helicopters, and now he was responsible for flying combat sorties over a hostile airspace. After this deployment, he was then assigned to VF-94, and he served as the department head. He also got to return back home to California, as VF-94 is based out of Lemoore, California. And in 2005, he was deployed yet again aboard the USS Nimitz with VF-94. After completing this deployment, Crozier was then assigned to VFA-125, or Rough Riders, where he served as a flight instructor and operations officer. Immediately following this duty assignment, Crozier then was accepted to the Naval War College, where he completed his master's degrees in National Security and Strategic Studies in 2007. Graduating from both the Naval Academy and the Naval War College would grant Crozier opportunities that others wouldn't get. Also, for Crozier, completing his master's degree pretty much guaranteed that his career would be in the United States Navy. Possessing a master's degree would be essential and required if he ever wanted to command a ship. After completing his master's degree, Crozier was then sent back to VF-94 at Naval Air Station Lemoore, California. Here, he served as the executive officer, which is second in command, and eventually he was promoted to the commanding officer, or CO. Here, he led multiple deployments in support of the global war on terror, and even saw his unit deployed to Japan. Following his successes with this unit, Crozier was then assigned to NATO, where he served in Naples, Italy, as a lead planner and deputy director. This is a great opportunity for anybody, and the exposure that he got to leaders from other countries and leaders from the United States was very beneficial and allowed him to promote faster than his peers. It was also here that he probably got his first experience with politics in the military and international politics as a whole. After this assignment, Crozier was then selected to attend the Navy Nuclear Power Training School. This school is not only very academically challenging, but it has not only the highest attrition rate in the U.S. Navy, but is widely acknowledged as having the most demanding academic program in the U.S. military. Just for context, courses covered at this school include math, nuclear and health physics, reactor principles, material science, thermodynamics, chemistry, and nuclear reactor technology. The Navy's best and brightest sailors attended this school, and Crozier needed to attend this school so he could command a nuclear ship. Crozier completed the school in 2016, roughly two years after starting, and he was selected to become the executive officer of the USS Ronald Reagan. 
commanding an aircraft carrier as either the XO or skipper is an extremely coveted position and often puts you on the fast track to admiral. In the United States Navy, there are only 10 aircraft carriers, meaning Crozier was one of 10 people with this position in the entire Navy. Here, Crozier directly oversaw thousands of sailors, and he was responsible for coordinating flight operations and maneuvers. Also, during his time as XO of the USS Ronald Reagan, he got to take part in RIMPAC 2014 which is the largest international maritime warfare exercise in the world and includes roughly 30 countries and hundreds of ships. The idea behind this exercise is for U.S. allies to train together in case they ever had to go to war together. It is also important to note that while he was the XO, the USS Ronald Reagan was the United States Navy's only forward-deployed aircraft carrier. On top of that, the USS Ronald Reagan's area of responsibility is the Indo-Pacific region, which includes China, North Korea, and parts of the Middle East. Following this assignment, Crozier was selected to become the skipper of the USS Blue Ridge, which is an amphibious command ship. He commanded approximately 600 sailors and oversaw its dry dock repairs. Shortly afterwards, Crozier was then selected to become the skipper of the USS Teddy Roosevelt. Captain Crozier became the skipper of the USS Teddy Roosevelt on November 1st, 2019. Here, he was responsible for roughly 5,000 sailors and the overall mission of the ship. It was also here that he experienced something completely new to not only him, but the United States Navy. On March 24th, three of Crozier's sailors tested positive for COVID-19. In the next few weeks, dozens more would also test positive. Those sailors who were infected with the disease were removed from the ship and flown to a military hospital to receive treatment. Crozier believed that more had to be done. After roughly 100 sailors tested positive for COVID-19, the Teddy Roosevelt was ordered to dock in Guam. Here, the roughly 100 sailors who tested positive disembarked for a isolation unit. However, the rest of the crew was to stay on board and the aircraft carrier was to continue to fulfill its mission as scheduled. Crozier wanted his entire crew removed from the ship. However, his immediate superior, Rear Admiral Stuart P. Baker, believed that this was too impractical and too Jurassic. It's also likely that he thought this could jeopardize national security. However, this is just speculation. So, on March 30th, receiving no help or support from his superiors or the U.S. Navy, Crozier emailed a four-page memorandum to 10 Navy officers. Three of these officers were admirals in his chain of command, and seven of the other officers were captains, five of whom were on board the Roosevelt, and two others served as executive assistants to the admirals. In this memo, Crozier asked for authorization to have most of his crew disembark and quarantine in Guam. He claimed on a crowded ship, it was impossible to follow CDC guidelines regarding social distancing and quarantine procedures. This memo was then leaked to the media on March 31st. And as far as I can tell, this was by no fault of Crozier. Although some have said that the email was sent over a unclassified email address, really only speculating here. This letter sparked massive outrage in the American public, and shortly after, in fact, the day after, on April 1st, the Navy ordered the aircraft carrier evacuated and left a skeleton crew on board to maintain 
the nuclear reactor and other essential functions. The ship then docked in Guam and all the sailors, minus 700 of them, disembarked and were isolated in Navy barracks. The day after, on April 2nd, Crozier was relieved of command by then-Acting Secretary of the Navy Thomas Moodley. As Crozier disembarked the ship in Guam, he was cheered and applauded off the ship by his sailors. He was clearly respected, and obviously he tried to do the right thing for his men, regardless of the consequences. This is one of the reasons why I chose to highlight Crozier in this episode. As a military leader in peacetime, I think your primary duty is to protect the lives of those under your command, and Crozier was willing to do that, regardless of the consequences. Crozier fell on his sword for his sailors in order to protect them and their health. He was willing to do whatever it took to protect the lives of his sailors and face the consequences afterwards. You don't see this too often in the military. Captain Crozier put the health and wellness of his sailors above his own career. Captain Crozier was likely to be promoted to admiral as he had the necessary talent and knowledge. However, his career future with the Navy is unknown. He has been assigned shore duty, but like many of his sailors, he contracted coronavirus and is in quarantine on Guam. There have been numerous reports claiming that he will be reinstated and others claiming that he will not. We will just have to wait and see what happens. Captain Crozier's actions undoubtedly saved the lives of thousands of his sailors. Unfortunately, one of his crew members, Chief Petty Officer Charles Robert Thacker Jr., died of COVID-19 on Guam in a military hospital. Captain Crozier himself has also tested positive for coronavirus, and he is in isolation on Guam. Though his future is uncertain, Captain Crozier definitely did the right thing for his sailors. And as I conclude this podcast, I would like to read a quote from the letter that he issued. In his four-page memorandum, Crozier wrote, I fully realize that I bear responsibility for not demanding more decisive action the moment we pulled in, but at this point, my only priority is the continued well-being of the crew and embarked staff. I believe if there is ever a time to ask for help, it is now, regardless of the impact on my career. If there is anything we can learn from this situation, it is that leaders ought to take care of those under their command first and foremost. Thank you so much for listening to this biography of Captain Crozier. I hope you enjoyed, and I hope to see you the next episode. Thanks so much for listening. Also, if there are any sailors from the Teddy Roosevelt listening, uh, just know that we are thinking of you and we are praying for you. Hope that you make a speedy recovery, and God bless. Thank you so much for listening, and please remember to subscribe. Also, if you feel so inclined, feel free to leave a four or five star review. Until next time, this has been Military Leaders of Today. Have an amazing day.